pencil in the apocalypse. I gotta get up at five o'clock in the morning and sparkle, Neely, sparkle. I know what some of your big city no bra wearing hairy legged women livers might say. Hello everyone and welcome to Maximum Film. It's episode 273 and I'm glad you're here with me. It's your host, if you want to wait and I'm in the booth with my friends. So let me introduce you to them. First up, we have Ifishikura Ijiomawaiwe's favorite critic, Christmas Zaddy himself, Alonzo Duralde. What's good? Uh, I'll tell you what's good, Ify, because, you know, Thanksgiving has just happened, and for a lot of people, that means leftover turkey. And what's good is turkey tetrazzini. Now, I know this this is a recipe that gets a bad rap. People associate it with, like, their high school cafeteria, or they think it's one of those, like, dreadful, gloppy, post-war, mid-century recipes that you want to shy away from. But you do not, because it's pasta and cheese and cream and breadcrumbs and mushrooms and turkey. And who doesn't like those things? And uh, if you find yourself with a whole lot of butterball left after this holiday, uh, think about Tetrazzini. You'll be glad you did. Please, I hope that someone else listening had the same thing come to mind, which is when Joel McHale hosted The Soup, they used to always play this clip of this woman on the Maury Povich show going, Chicken Tetrazzini! Dominique could cook, but I know she's seducing my this- man with a chicken Tetrazzini. <laughs> And whenever I hear Tetrazzini, <laughs> I can only hear it with those. I really hope someone else did that. I, I, I don't know that, but now I got to hunt it down. Please yeah, do. Same here. I mean, uh, I, it's so rare I have a, a door open for me to bring up the Maury Povich show. So thank you, Alonzo. Oh, anytime. I give thanks. It's why I'm yeah. here. Mm, well, that other voice you heard is none other than the queen of the Midwest herself, Drea Clark, super festival programmer uh, and producer. And I've yet to say this, uh, I, I think this year, but uh, you're one uh, gatekeeper to all all things Sundance, Slam Dance. You have Stop to go it. through, <laughs> you have to go through you? her. You're not getting in. <laughs> Um, uh, categorically untrue, small cog, <laughs> in a wheel, over at the Sundance machine. How dare you? Uh, also, don't come at me if you don't come to get in the festival. I was going to say, me. that's, you don't want to sit around that yeah, yeah, yeah. If you get in, it's because of her. If, if you don't, yes. it's someone else. It's 100% how it works. Yeah. Um, that's so funny. Well, ironically, my what's good isn't related to Sundance, although we are in the sort of final stages of this year's programming right now but also the final stages you guys know i i oversee the spirit awards nominations which were announced this week and i'm very proud of them i won't get into them in detail because certainly you all read them on november 22nd when they came out um but it was our first year of doing um gender neutral acting categories so we have uh, lead performance and supporting performance and they brought into 10 each rather than doing sort of actor, actress, whatever. And, uh, you know, as you saw by the results, like there's a lot of worry going into gender neutral um, that that uh, that honestly that women would suffer as a result. But thankfully, indie film at least offers a lot of great roles for women um, and a good number of those were recognized. So Yeah, I'm hoorah. going into the the LA Film Critics vote this year where we're doing gender neutral acting categories for the first time and we're going to have two leads and two supporting. And frankly, like good luck men on this year's list because there's so many, especially lead female performances. Yes. Like it, it's yes. a, 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 an embarrassment of riches. 
Yes, mm. which was good. I had a lot of uh, a, the, just the right amount of anxiety mm. headed into it of, oh, please don't have this turn out to be a real sausage fest. But instead, it's a clam bake. And I'm thrilled. <laughs> Yeah. And you said that and not any yeah, of yeah, us. Yeah, that was that. <laughs> yep. Not quite so, by any of sorry, us. Sorry, HR. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, Whoops. man. Well, you know, this pod, not only do I get to sit in with uh, my wonderful co-host, but usually we have an illustrious guest. And this week is no different. Uh, this is one of my good friends, a screenwriter, uh, co-wrote Creed, writes on Grand Crew with yours truly. He's a director, hilarious comedian, improviser, and co-host of Black Guys on White Movies. Aaron Covington, what's good? Welcome. Well, I'm definitely excited to be here. I'm going to go to sports. Ooh, okay. The Sacramento Kings are what's good. The reason this is relevant and important, it's not that important. It's important only in sports. But they have like the longest playoff drought of any professional team. It's been like over 20 years since they've had a good team. But they're good now. They're on like a seven-game winning streak. So, basketball fans, tune in to the Sacramento Kings. Um, you know, it's crazy because Alonzo almost said that. I, it's, you know, he was, he was not in heavy. for show prep because like, it would have been really embarrassing if yes. I'd gotten there first. I could see him mouthing like, damn, oh, yeah. Fox, DeMontis, <laughs> Sabone, all these names. He gets money. I was like, yeah, you know, you know. <laughs> he gets it. That's awesome. I do love a comeback story. It's Good for you, Sacramento story. Kings. Go. <laughs> Go. Holding it down. Go, 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 Kings. 5% uh, of film fans that are also sports fans will appreciate that. Oh, I think it's, I think it's more than five. Uh, okay, you okay. know, I, 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 believe me, I, I always feel like half of film Twitter talks about baseball, and I'm like, okay, we're doing this now. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. you never know. Iffy, sir, what For is sure. good? Oh, yeah. man. Um, what is good with me is uh, this, 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 uh, today, this day, I've escaped IKEA. I've thought I planned out my day accordingly. I was uh, went in early. Uh, we went through, you know, Thanksgiving is going to be this week. So obviously we were like, okay, we need a bigger table. We need a good table. I've been needing a table for the kitchen slash dining room area. We found one. We located it. Of course, it was placed too high in the warehouse area of Ikea and thus, um, since they can't bring out the forklift, it has to come a different day. But then um, of course, we left with so many more stuff. We're getting a little Naomi, a new desk, and this cute little like uh, chair. It's, it's real great. But leaving this building is, uh, is a feat in its own. Did you not I, leave the breadcrumbs out? I got turned around in the... <laughs> parking lot and i was hunting down the car and then i had to drive up to the top to pick up the stuff and people drive bad in burbank if you don't know uh, a lot of bad drivers in burbank uh but i made it home and uh we got some ornaments for the tree and we got uh we got a whole bunch of little knickknacks so you know getting that nice. holiday cheer ready so that's what's good with me we uh definitely i got a text from iffy saying i think i'm lost in the ikea parking lot <laughs> and not the first time i've received those exact words from someone yeah yeah this you was send the, the meatballs you do oh you, man yeah. the the meatball sunday send meatballs 
10, 10 out of 10, I will say, because I'm a big fan of the gravy mashed potatoes cranberry with meat combo, which is why I'm super hyped for this week. That's also what's good with me about to make that turkey. Uh, but yeah, no, um, I, this is my first time in the mega Ikea. I think the mecca Ikea in Burbank, that is <laughs> super huge. I, you, I went to the smaller one before, but. Speaking of going back to Ikea, we're going back to Wakanda and we're talking <laughs> Turkey. So Turkeys smooth. of the year. Yeah, you know, so I got the smooth transitions. Mm. But before we jump into anything, we're going to talk about Itadik, short for Is This Important? Do I Care? Our movie news segment where we take a look at this week's movie news, decide for ourselves if it's important and if we care. Now, Let's start off with probably some of the most important cinema news that can uh, be uh, talked about right now, which is... I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> the build-up to this. And he's already told okay. you it's important, so what are we yeah. even doing here? The Fast X, <laughs> aka the Fast 10 bu- budget, has ballooned over $340 million after changing directors, delaying production, and paying their leads ever-growing salaries over the years. The word is that the latest Fast and Furious movie is going to cost Universal over $100 million more than Fast 9 cost. It's still likely to make its money back and then some, but keep in mind that Fast X is only the first installment of a two-part finale to the popular series. Is this important? Do you care? <laughs> I'm now starting to understand why the Disney Channel would like cancel even their most popular shows after like three years because they didn't want to renegotiate anybody's contract. Yeah. And like, this is what happens when you don't, I guess, is that suddenly, you know, Vin Diesel is getting the GNP of a, of a small nation to appear in this film. Yeah. This, I can't even tell you. I look at that. <laughs> I'm like... The idea, if you do the budgets of the films that I produce, like the <laughs> idea of I, two days of craft service would cover an entire motion picture that I've made. Like, it's such a, it's such an incomprehensible amount. Vin's towel budget. The good thing about this is above and beyond, they're already effed because it is a, an enormous ensemble. They probably only have them contractually at this point, like one picture licenses. So like they have to redo them every time. So they're like, you want Tyrese again? You want my best friend Chris Bridges, <laughs> aka Ludacris? Like if you want all these people, they're going to cost you. And so thankfully, yes, bring them back. Don't just replace them. But movies are expensive because uh, for a lot of reasons because of the people that make them so the idea of sure this is a ton of money but what i like to think of is oh this is a ton of people being employed for so long because it takes so long like the they shoot forever they're in post forever so um as much as that money is so 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 stupid i am just going to keep concentrating on it as being like oh they're it's it's a job maker Right. Uh, sure. That's a benefit of the doubt. That's that's powerful. <laughs> I would say it is important, but no, I do not care. <laughs> but it does have implications, like industry wide, and yeah. especially in the age of franchises and IPs. But I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a fast fast fan. <laughs> Is that what they call them? Wow, fast fans. Yes. You know, yeah, Hold fast on, family members. Uh, you know, it's truly. Wow, um, that's 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 interesting because I just saw, you know, the any any 
strong argument is uh, preceded by this, but I just saw on TikTok that uh, <laughs> that, that they they're thinking that uh, the fast movies are the great American epic because they said what's more American than uh, than overspending. Than well, having a yeah. found family. <laughs> and mm. then they said, what's more uh, American than an Italian family pretending to be Mexican? Uh, it's, it's, she does. She goes through a list and she makes great points. Uh, I, I was going to send it to the group chat and I for, forgot to, but I will be sending it. The second movie news is just uh, this is also like a the fall of Twitter update. Someone has uh, tweeted out the entire movie of fast the first fast and furious but in chunks in multiple tweets oh yeah oh they've been doing that with quite a few films actually because whoever is supposed to be sort of minding the copyright store oh, is one right. of the people that got shown the door apparently <laughs> right and so yeah like uh, the somebody was saying like somebody had shared like part one of 26 parts of hackers yeah. and said yep this is what we're doing on twitter now because no one's paying attention Oh wow! This oh man! This oh who who knows how this will end? Not I, but I'm excited to see. I, I, my money's on badly, but you know you never know. <laughs> All right. Um, sp- speaking of bad endings, no, nope. Speaking of movies, thank you. Yep, James Wan and Jason Blum may be joining their horror houses. Blumhouse is trying to ramp up production in 2023, and James Wan, director of big horror hits like The Conjuring, Insidious, and Malignant, is no longer held by a first-look deal with Warner Brothers, so a mutually beneficial solution may be on the horizon. Details are still vague, but it looks like Wan's Atomic Monster production company could come under Blumhouse's wing early next year. Is this important? Do you care? Can James Wan name more female directors than Jason Blum can? Oh my god! Because I think that's a big plus for wow. here. No. <laughs> let me let me just jump in. He cannot. That is such a funny and specific good angle on that, Alonso. Fine, they're trying harder, but you know, keep trying harder. <laughs> like. This uh, is also so, so inside baseball. That's my sports yes, reference. I know, anyway. I know. I, I'm, I'm referring to a thing from a couple of years ago that I, only I am still carrying No, no, I'm sorry. I as meant, a grudge. I meant the idea of um, anyone knowing James Wan's production company and where it was oh, shingled. That's gotcha. very inside baseball. Like, will it change mm-hmm. anything for the external movie goer to know if something is running through Blumhouse instead of Warner Brothers or whatever? Not super much, but it does change like the artists who come through, who they're developing, what they're doing. All of those are little. And if it means, I mean, James Wan's also interesting because he goes crazy anyway. Like Malignant was a nuts choice to be doing. (laughs) So here's to Blumhouse being like, oh, do you want to keep making absolute gonzo artistic decisions? Come on over, guy. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, what's interesting in all this is that I, when I think of like what are Blumhouse movies, I tend to think, oh, it's where they have like that one house, you know, and they do everything <laughs> there, you the know, and, and James Wan is, as you yeah. say, like, going all over the place. And so I'll be curious to see what that looks like. But I mean, I think, I don't know, a part of me thinks it can only be good for horror, but then part of me thinks too few people own too many things. So I don't know. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I pretty much agree with Alonso. I think it is somewhat important 
in the industry. It couldn't make a good collaboration. Um, I do care a little bit, even though I'm not a big horror fan, but it also fills me with trepidation. <laughs> well, like, okay, Aaron, you're a screenwriter. Uh, the say, perfect say, horror response. <laughs> there you yeah. go. You, it, it's, you've got goosebumps. Uh, if, say, you've got a horror script and you want to s- shop it around, does this news make you think, oh, crap, now I have one less place to take it? Or is it mm. – because I, I, I don't really know how this stuff works. No, because James Wan doesn't seem like somebody you would take something to. Mm, true he's making he's you know he's kind of it seems like he's making his thing and bloom house does seem like the bloom house of horror where you can get gotcha. other things done so but yeah, i guess i don't, th- I don't if think i was you- looking for a director maybe it's it's complicated go ahead sorry <laughs> no i love when we accidentally walk people through the weeds of how this system <laughs> does or doesn't work um i do like jason said something about how James is more artist and he is more business person. And that lends well towards like, okay, good. As long as you're not like trying to fit James Wan into a Blumhouse mold, but instead Mm, are just trying to monetize and benefit from what he does. It is. It's weird that Warner brothers isn't trying harder to hang on to James Wan, given that he's their Aquaman guy, but, maybe they're all feeling flush about having stolen James Gunn from Marvel. And so now they're like, yeah, whatever you can go to, go to universal. We don't care. They're lost. Mm. <laughs> uh, indeed, indeed. And uh, not a loss, but a gain is uh, the recent announcement from director SS Rajamuli that he may be making RRR two. Uh, RRR was this year's record breaking gravity defying epic out of India. Will there be a sequel? At a screening in Chicago last week, director S.S. Rajamuli told the crowd he's working on it, or to be precise, his father is working on it. Uh, v. Vejiandra Prasad, Rajamuli's dad, writes all the stories for his son's movies, and RRR2, wow. when and if it comes, will be no exception. Is this important? Do you care? There's no world where they weren't going to make a second one of these. Right? I mean, no world. That, I, I'm sorry. That's limiting. I don't know what other every single. I've never been to another world. There might be another <laughs> world that doesn't care that this movie made an obscene, unexpected <laughs> amount of money in a Western globally. Audience. But in our world, no freaking way was this not going to have a part. Two. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, no, I was I was ready. And now I am ready. Uh, no, I love the fact that that Roger Mooley, um has been like hanging out in the states and like coming to LA and having meetings and going to doing hosting screenings like they are really digging into the idea of like oh India did not want to pick us as uh, best international feature fine we're going to for your consideration the shit out of this in every other possible way so I love that they are having screenings for like guilds and critics and stuff because you really have to see RRR on the big screen if you can. I mean, yes, it's it's fine on Netflix, and if, if that's how you're going to see it, then by all means see it because it's it's amazing. But to see it projected and to talk to him about it, he did a great Q and A to screening I went to with our friends Amy Amy Nicholson and Paul Shear from the Unspooled podcast. Um, not a usual ploy for for foreign filmmakers in general, let alone uh, uh, from from South Asia. We don't see that happening a lot in Los Angeles in terms of like a full court press awards wise and a, hey, by the way, I directed this mega hit. Maybe you have something for me, studios, question mark. Important and I care. Yes. RRR was Concise. astonishing. <laughs> I can't wait. You know, edge of my seat. 
I, I'm speechless. Let's go. And I mean, what is this? His dad writes it. I did yeah. not. That's a fascinating. Uh, anyway, no, I love that detail. It's, it's a such a good. Home. I hadn't heard that before either. I do like he writes them all. Here's the thing that's most crucial to me that the second one has. One, I, I already understand. There's a limitless array of stories to be told where colonial colonializers are the bad guys. Great. Embrace that. Run with it. But also, if they dare do anything but give me the same amazing Gone with the Wind dresses on all of <laughs> the white people, even though it's like 1920, I will be disappointed. I loved <laughs> that all they did was rate. They're like, what looks what's Western? Put it on these people. Is it yeah. look Western and rich? They're wearing it. Hoop skirts? Sure. That is I the joy I got just from the costuming cannot be quantified. Nice. Bang girl. Alright, well, on that note, uh, we're gonna take a break, but when we come back, we'll be talking about Wakanda forever. Maximum Film is supported in part by Masterclass. With Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best minds anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. Okay, so don't worry. I've definitely spoken in detail about how much I appreciate their writing and filmmaking sides of it. Um, The instructors are around the board. Fantastic. But also in the wellness category, um... There is an instructor named John Kabat-Zinn who has a mindfulness and meditation um, course that I really enjoyed. That's, you know, they're, they're all broken up in these little easy segments of around 10-ish minutes. So it's, it's easy to incorporate in your day. But the one that I really want to talk about, my would-be best friend whenever I get to meet him, RuPaul, has a course on self-expression and authenticity, which may not seem like something you would learn as much as something you would experience, but that's where you're wrong. Learning how to feel authentic in your skin and expressing yourself in a way that feels true and meaningful is something you can learn. And uh, anyway, I find that very interesting skills to pick up on and uh, highly recommend. Like I said, these are sort of 10, 15 minute chunks, these lessons. Um, So you can watch them on your phone, on a tablet, on a computer, whatever. Expand your world, get smug about things, enjoy it. Check it out today. This holiday, give one annual membership and get one free. Go to masterclass.com slash maxfilm today. That's masterclass.com slash M-A-X-F-I-L-M. Terms apply. Now let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Maximum Film. I'm your host, Ify Wadiway, and in the studio with me are... Drea Clark. Aaron Covington. Alonzo Duralde. Look, the sequel is never simple, but in light of Chadwick Boseman's untimely death in 2020, writing the next chapter of the Black Panther story became hard in a lot of ways. What kind of forever is the resulting story with Ryan Coogler returning as director, but before we get into it, Alonzo, would you mind giving us a brief synopsis of Wakanda forever. 
Ooh, okay, there's a lot happening here. Uh, we open with the death of T'Challa, which is, of course, very upsetting to all involved, but particularly Shuri, who, even with her uh, immense scientific know-how, was not able to save him. As the kingdom of Wakanda mourns, uh, we come to discover that uh, the outside world is trying to get its hands on vibranium, which is, of course, the, the element that has made uh, Wakanda the technological marvel that it is. Um, there's an underwater research station that is destroyed by an army that seems to come from the sea. And it is, in fact, uh, the kingdom of Tolokan, led by Namor, who approaches Shuri and her mother, Queen Ramunda, and says, look, the rest of the world wants to get their hands on our, uh, our vibranium. Join me in destroying them. And if not, I will destroy you. And they're like, mm, pass. No, thank you. Uh, but he does insist that they deliver unto him the inventor of the vibranium detector. Uh, this sends Shuri and Okoye to Cambridge, to MIT, where they find uh, undergraduate Riri Williams a genius teenager uh, who has invented a lot of stuff, as it turns out, we'll discover over the course of the movie. And uh, as Wakanda tries to figure out who his next ruler will be and who will don the mantle of the Black Panther, uh, Wakanda and Tolokan uh, find themselves in inevitable battle. Alonzo, that was great. Oh, you thanks. did so good. It was a lot of movie to see. Good job. <laughs> yeah, that was solid. Uh, but yeah, sorry, let's... sorry, I got to do the Drea. What kind of forever? Okay. Yes, yes. You got to land. The, stick the landing. Um, but yeah, I think it's just safe to say before we jump into it, this is, we, we're just going to go spoilers. We got to talk about yeah. Oh, sure. Elements. Yeah. So if you haven't watched it yet, you know, go on ahead, pause this, uh, and and save this till after you see the movie because there's a lot of stuff. We need to talk about that will go into spoiler uh, country. So, um, I mean, yeah, let's uh, let's kick it off with, you know, the death of T'Challa. You know, see, I kind of went in completely blind. I mean, even though the trailers kind of allude to, you know, uh, T'Challa dying in, in the film, I didn't I don't think I wanted to believe it because I still was shocked by the opening scene. And I was like, oh, they actually actually went and did it and almost in a way that mirrored real life. It's, you know, sudden, uh, shocking, and we're kind of left with the pieces. And even they even mentioned in the movie that he was hiding it from them uh, and, and until it came too late. I mean, how did, yeah, let's, I guess that's- I was not crying within the first 30 <laughs> seconds of this movie. I mean, I do, they jumped right in. It begins in this sort of frenetic moment where he is failing in a different room and we see Shuri, Shuri, sorry, running around trying, you know, she's trying to recreate the heart-shaped herb to like fix him and whatever, all of these things. But so it made sense narratively. It was impactful. And I was a wreck, a sobbing wreck and was like, Oh, I really hope these two dudes behind me aren't going to be laughing at how I'm just like weeping into my mask to the point that I kind of like moved it because I was like, is this thing not going to work because I'm drenching it with tears? A <laughs> well, scientific even, question I could ask Shuri. Even before the movie starts, I, Marissa, we're on the same track. The Marvel yeah. logo where they have where yep. they changed it all to be all yes. images of Chadwick Boseman and of the first Black Panther. That was already like... <gasps> With you no know. music, like the music fades out, and all you could hear in the theater is me, like, <laughs> doing oh, yeah. that. Yeah. Because they did it in dead silence. So no. all we can do is sit with our thoughts while we were watching that. I thought they did a great job, too, of making 
the early moments, like you said, without the sound, and uh, you know, Ryan does this really well, feel so intimate. And this was such a massive movie, just overall. That's the thought that keeps coming to my head about it, how big it was. But it starts off so, so small. You know, it's really just her and the queen running through this, and she's with the machines trying to get the kind of get the herb. And it was like you felt like you were a part of it, especially knowing what we know and the reality of it. It really felt like we were all in on what was happening. Yeah. Well, um, interestingly. Just to go off of, you may not know this franchise as well, but the Fast, the Fast and Furious franchise is one we have covered extensively here. And the the closest approximation I've seen of this is when Paul Walker passed away, and yet his character carried on. And so the idea of integrating in a franchise the real-life loss of a character, so you're both trying to do right by the performer, um, keep the story going. And I think like this is, it's a through line. It's not just how this movie is set up, but the processing of grief and how that looks different for every single person and like the different milestones and how you will or won't hit them with the people next to you. I thought that was something that I liked Aaron, what you said about the, the uniqueness of intimacy in a film that has such broad scope because having this emotional through line of especially we're, you know, we're now on Shuri. Like that is, that is our person. That's who we're seeing this world through now. That's our, our primary sympathy. And so the idea of watching her struggle with, coping with the loss of her brother and then everything that comes with it in terms of what that means for their country what that means for the family all of these things it's a i always appreciate when films this enormous center themselves on such um a small but meaningful emotional arc yeah mm-hmm. and i was also something I think is worth mentioning. I mean, you would have caught it if you would have listened to the intro, but you know, Cove personally knows Ryan. And uh, so you've seen his growth. You've worked with him as, do you feel like you have a different insight to like his, I guess, filmmaking language, watching his films where you're like, Oh, that's, that's kind of what I know. Are you just kind of like, I'm just doing me. Uh, probably, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I wouldn't say I, I, I've thought about it like that consciously, or I've had a space to compare what yeah. a, you would think if you didn't know him versus what I think in a normal. And yeah. then, you know, here, you know, sometimes I get invited to see early cuts of things too, so I think that kind of clouds it also. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's definitely, you know, a through line in the work, um, that's consistent that. You know, I see it get deeper every every film. Yeah. Uh, there were times that I kind of wished that we didn't have to deal with the sort of requirements of a Marvel movie. Because I <laughs> yeah. think like mm. a yeah. film about this family grieving would have been just that's a movie like that is a movie and 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 Kugler could have really, I think, you know, just laid that out also powerfully. And it's like. My thing with this movie is that I, I think that all of the parts work really well, but I don't know that they all fit together all that well. Like you are introduced to two major characters who are clearly intended to be like, this is not the last we're going to see of them in over the course of the TV and movie universe that's being created here. Um, 
So much so that I think it it kind of pushes aside like I mean literally by the end of the movie I'm like what well, so who's on the throne now like the the <laughs> film seems kind of like half not really sure where it's going I'm like that's I I'm much more interested in the 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 grief process and and in this the you know the this family sort of healing as a family but also healing as a royal family that has these responsibilities to their people and it's like but no wait we have to deal with the underwater folks and we have to deal with this other thing and and you know Julia Louis Dreyfus is arresting Martin Freeman and I'm like bro, uh, bro. there's there's just a lot for me I think. <laughs> if they don't get Julia Louis and uh the homie Martin Freeman <laughs> Freeman off the screen during a Black Panther movie <laughs> That's your end credit scene. Do not give me them to every 15 minutes in the movie. I'm a, I'm a fan of Julie Louie. I watch every episode of Veep. Sure. You yeah. know what I mean? I've seen, I've seen all her work, but you not don't get her out of this movie, man. <laughs> I, I agree. And I also think it's interesting. I assume because, of course, this started when Bozeman was still going to be T'Challa. Like the development of this, this was under way before certainly anyone i mean uh, before ryan has admittedly like known anything was going on with him and i felt like all of the storyline with tolican and with namor's uh, coming up like to me i i saw in this film what that version of black panther 2 would look like right like mm -hmm. in the first black panther you have this idea of like we are going to introduce and show you the concept of um, an African country that did not have to suffer um, the impact and spoils of um, being colonialized. Whereas, and then you're like, so how do we reach out to that? Like, great, who, who, who are other people that have had their lives impacted and their entire cultures um, yeah. leached into? And so you're like, sure, that's what gives you... Um, and turning this other like hero like Namor, which I don't believe has been in in the IP, like not just like Mexican, but like indigenous. So it gives you this idea of like, oh sure, I see that. But then melding that, melding that idea of because it's another complex um, villain, right? Like Killmonger mm -hmm. was this amazingly complex villain because you're like, yeah, I mean, I get everything he says. Yeah. I'm agreeing with like. I don't, I think he's a bad guy, but also I, I get it. Not without and, a point. <laughs> right? Yeah. And like Namor had elements of that as well, but because it was sort of weighed down of like, oh, now we also have to wrap this grief story around it. And does it dilute any of the power of what we're getting about Talakan? Does it, you know, it was, it, it wasn't always like working harmoniously because it was trying so much, but I could see where that other version of it would have gone. Yeah. We, we mentioned, you know, you know, a lot of the new characters first, I'm definitely going to have to jump into Namor or Namor now in this movie. No uh, I have an imperious Rex tattoo. I've been a huge fan of Shut Namor up. in the comics. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't know if you didn't see it, but yeah. Uh, no. Know. Wait, no, no, is no. it pronounced Namor? Am I saying it wrong? No, no, no. no it's, it's Namor. The, it's Namor. In the movie, it's Namor. He, in the his comics, whole thing is like Namor. no love, right? Like he's yes. like a whole so like... Namor. Yeah, okay. we're gonna get to that. Sorry. So Namor <laughs> is 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 just an Atlantean. Everyone called him like the Marvel Aquaman, but he he existed two years before Aquaman. So he actually predates Aquaman. He's an Atlantean. He's very like 
chauvinistic, very kingly, very like really um, just kind of like the perfect anti-hero because he's a shithead. He, you know, has this like this disdain for the, you know, surface, surface world. world. Yeah. And it, like that is a through line in his thing. But one of his biggest things that I always thought was funny is he loves him some Sue storm. Yes. He love he, he, and he knows that she's with Mr. Fantastic, but he's like, no, fuck him. I'm me. And it was this, like just that classic story of like someone who's so powerful, who can't get something so simple as the love of a specific woman. A, and a she's those, not, not into him. Oh yes. <laughs> It's just the perfect melodramatic mess that that you wouldn't expect in a comic. There's a whole run where he lifts the Pacific Ocean over the city and is like, I will drop it on the city unless I get a kiss from you. Uh, a lot of those elements don't stand the test of time. Or I was just going to say, you just yeah. described the most like archetypical like oh, yeah. toxic masculinity. Oh, I'm a nice guy. Oh, it's, it's so threatening exactly. asshole. Just totally, and you know, it's and it's not really a good look on a white dude right at this time. You know, <laughs> next week we're talking about she said, you know, it's it's just not a good look. So to add some flavor to this character by making him Mayan and adding this whole level, and then like giving the opportunity to like have what the black diaspora had for Wakanda to like the, you know, Latino South American community. Some people will fight you fight. They, they want you to make sure that you talk about him being a Mayan and I will do that. Don't, don't get mad at me. Cause you know, now we're in the fun nerds things and I use fun in quotes of like ownership, right? Where everyone, you know, but that's, that's that's kind of the beauty of people seeing themselves in a character and wanting you to know why that character connects to them. That's why I liked Black Panther, because he wasn't just a black hero. He was an African hero. So for Ryan to give that to a whole nother community is also just another gift within this Marvel machine. And I'm and I'm going to just shake the table just slightly because I think Marvel rightfully Gets a lot of, uh, you know, flack for being military propaganda. But Ryan in this movie kind of pointed out how the U.S. will want certain resources and will displace a nation. He put that in a Marvel movie. Like, like when I when I when they said that line, when he was like, well, you know, I was like, oh, Oh, he's, you know. Do they know we heard that? <laughs> yeah. It's, it, I mean, it was the same thing when we've heard him say colonizer in the first one. And you're like, oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> here's I, I agree with you like in concept that yes I like the idea of of an equivalent to Wakanda that is aimed at uh, you know the Central and South America but uh, Wakanda is such an extraordinary creation over the course of these two movies where you have this incredible melding of like you know this super futuristic high tech with like those amazing Ruth Carter you know costumes and the textiles and the colors and all of that stuff and then I, a Tolacon for me was like, now we're in like a Cirque du Soleil tank. Like it did not pop <laughs> for me as an actual civilization, as an actual kingdom where people were getting cool shit done and living this very advanced life because of the vibranium and all in the way that Wakanda does. And, and I mean, like the funeral sequences in this movie are like heart wrenching, oh, but also beautifully beautiful. costumed and choreographed and scored. Um, and then Tolikon just was like felt very afterthoughtish to me, and I I was kind of disappointed that they didn't give us something as cool as Wakanda for this whole other 
sort of civilization that also had a sort of similar backstory. Yeah, that's super interesting because the whole time we're underwater, I'm just thinking about the challenges production wise and CGI wise (laughs) and even imagination wise because it's a relatively new thing. I guess Aquaman was at his, they were under the water also, but (laughs) I think it's still something that they're figuring out because it was hard to even make out details at points just because of the way it was done and it took my focus away from the movie. But the thing, a couple of things they did that were really, really smart. Um, maybe this is more on the business side, a little insider is they put, you know, the black and Hispanic people like against each other, but in a way where he doesn't die at the end. Mm-hmm. This means we can have a more movie later. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Besides them popping up in the next, if there's another black Panther movie or any other movie, now they can have, they have, so they have to be looking for the next director and writing team. Right. Expect that by like 2026 or something. I agree with you. And I'd add to that. Marvel is at this place that when we talk about like, oh, they have like all of these shells to be moving with every movie. There's also um, by them setting this up. It's like, OK, well, we need to have this very high stakes, broad, epic thing. But also this is happening while like Wanda is taking over WandaVision Mm. town. Like there's all these different little Marvel pieces happening. And like, why would they be happening? But no one's popping in on like, hey, you guys okay over here in Wakanda? Like where are the other Avengers? Where So I thought like the storytelling choices for that were shrewd. To touch back on, I, I definitely agree with both of you. That I didn't feel the Talakan? Talakan? Talakan. Talakan. Sorry, my apologies. Okay, I'm still learning it too. (laughs) No, no. That you're so right. Like Wakanda is so rich. And I look at like, especially the different sections, right? Like you have like a mountain tribe. You have the, the like... Uh, the capital city people you have all these and I didn't get that sense of oh there's all these different visual components of Talakan that can be explored and oh I look at it and the fabrics reference the different like oh this is like the Guatemalan influenced this is the El Salvador like I didn't get any of that and part of it was it felt like they were adhering to some sort of oh we need this to be believable because it was so freaking dark like, yeah. yes, I get it. Bottom of the ocean, no real light. Right. And they did come up with, like, interesting ways of, like, sure, let's put some uh, jellyfish in here. Like, fine. I g- but also, if there's parts where I'm thinking Aquaman was more visually interested, that's a problem, right? Just like, give me a dome with a big fake sun. Yes, <laughs> yeah, fine. Give me an octopus who plays the drums. You yeah. know, <laughs> and he does this whole thing of, like, I gave them the sun and... Sure, but it was, it fell short for me in in creating, like, that same rich, rich thing. And I'm sure that that was probably the intent, which sounds really dismissive of me to say they fell short. I'm sure so many people worked so hard on it. I know they did. Hi to uh, my friend Hannah. <laughs> I think it was just a tough thing to see and to imagine, and I think it was just really tough. So it may not have had quite the same impact, you know, for those reasons. I think people, I think that's pretty universal. I'm never going to complain about Michael B. Jordan being in a movie because, yes, please, more of that always. I have to say, though, that part of me kind of wanted when Shuri crossed over into the the other plane that there was like a matriarch equivalent 
to mm. where T'Challa goes, you know, where all of his ancestors are. I wanted like Ramunda and all of the other queens of Wakanda to have like their their cooler, you know, frankly, uh, 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 you know, place in, in the afterlife. Um, and maybe we'll get that later. I don't know. I did love the scene with Killmonger and I thought it did bring together a lot of the narrative threads in terms of like, what do you do with that anger? How do you channel that grief? You know, uh, and and so that part of it I love, but I, I just it kind of nagged me. It's like, oh, I want to I want to see where the queens are. You know? Yeah, that's, that's, that, that would have been interesting, too. But that's a good it does bring up. You guys, Angela Bassett, I mean, get out of here. How are you that good at what you do? How are you that beautiful? How are you that she's tasked with so much? This is and that's the kind of performance that when people are dismissive of the 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 sort of inner workings of these kinds of movies as if there's not craft to them or artistry from every department, like Angela Bassett is doing some beautiful work here. Like even just that whole, that's, is there anything more satisfying than that scene at the beginning when she's facing the, UN? Like, the French and American <laughs> team at the UN? And she's like, Oh, excuse me. Like to go from that to grief, to trying to like comfort, but also nudge her child. Like she's doing so much beautiful work here. And, oh. and, and, you know, this has not drawn the attention of like the usual internet nudges who, you know, freak out about like Captain Marvel or Ms. Marvel or any, any of the sort of like female driven superhero movies. But this is like the ladies are in charge here, mm-hmm. like between For her sure. and Shuri and Okoye and, you know, the, the Dora Milaje and Riri Williams. And, you know, you have like, um, you know, you've got Mbaku, you've got Martin Freeman, and you've got Namor, and that's it as far as the dudes go. It is <laughs> all about the women, and they are completely guiding the course of this whole story. Yeah, they should they should do like an animated short for Okoye. I feel like we could get yes. more of her story. <laughs> yes. You know, mm. she kind of jumps in and it's like, oh, she's here now, and it's like, I want to see more of her, she's her so journey good. in both films, oh. really. Yeah. I also wonder too, everybody wants to get the vibranium, the vibranium, but you guys need to get this heart shaped herb. Yeah, yeah right? <laughs> That's the right? Captain America serum right there. Yeah. No, the Does it grow out of vibranium? Is that is that where like the 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 Tolokan people get it? It somehow grows out oh. of Yeah. They're related yeah. for sure. Um, but you know, that's the thing. I don't even think that uh, the Westerners know that they should want right, that they don't yet. know about it. True, yeah. So they think it's all the when they do. That'll be yeah. phase six <laughs> when they all start to go after the heart shaped herb. Um, can I say the one small casting uh, missed opportunity? This was the perfect place for Yalitza Aparicio from Roma oh, to yeah. have shown up. Our girl oh, wow. that we love so much, indigenous, like Mexican. Superstar. Superstar, incredible actress that we already knew was not going to be in enough stuff after Roma. She better have passed. I hope that she passed <laughs> right, on this <yeah>. film. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well... It's time to do that vote. And the way that we uh, vote for things on this pod is screen it being the highest, stream it being the middle lane, and skip it being self-explanatory. So uh, who wants to who wants to let it rip first? 
Uh, you know, look, it's a screen it, of course. Uh, you know, I, I have I have some issues with some of the stuff, but I mean, it is a, a, a vast epic and it is, you know, I, I think a, a film born out of trauma and difficulty and, and that, that Kugler was able to, you know, channel everything into what we now have as this new story in a post T'Challa, post Chadwick Boseman reality. Um, you know, it's impressive. And, and I think that it's, even if a lot of what works best about it is something of a rehash of stuff we saw in the first movie, it's still something that you just want to behold visually, orally, all of that stuff. Uh, because, I think more than most of the MCU directors, he just knows how to deliver this this sense of sweep, really, that you don't always get in these. That's a great yeah. way to put it. I'm also a screen it um, with the same. I had. I think it's just because I. Uh, the bar that the first film sets is so exactly. so high, and so if I had just seen this, I'd be like, absolutely here for days. But in comparing, like, oh, what this did. For moviegoers anyway, but especially like there's some impact that this had on black culture that I would have loved to see mirrored um, in Latin culture. And maybe the third one will. Who knows? So I, I do think that these tackle so much. I think Kugler has such a beautiful sense of an epic film. And again, there's so much great work by women in this who are given a range to feel ugly things to feel grief and anger and bitterness and none of those things are held against them it is just what they're going through i didn't even mention lupita nyong'o holy crap oh lupita my Nyong'o. god she's so good she's <laughs> right. truly so so good in this and they really nicely explain like what her deal was yes it reminds you of like oh the snap took away five years for some people anyway it was mm, anyway right. Lupita, to that uh, Aaron, screen it. I mean, come on, man. What you gonna do? It's the biggest movie <laughs> of the year. What are we talking about? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't go see it, and I don't have plans to see it. All right. <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> um, well, Happy you, New Year. Yeah, you you don't be. You know, you know the tattoo I got. You know that was definitely. Uh, uh, gonna be a screener for me. Also, Riri Williams. I'm glad you know mm. Ryan got his hands on Riri. You know, because I don't, I don't know who's doing the show just yet. Who's doing? Is is Ironheart? They got, they got good people on the show. Good okay, people. all right. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, Cov is tapped in because I'm, I'm, I'm just like I'm not full tap. I'm like <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, in, you yeah, know. yeah. You diet tap. You more tap than me for show. Yeah, diet tap. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, I'm super excited because Riri, I just, mm, I, I'm, I, here's, I'm gonna say the corny thing because I just gotta say it. But you know, as a black dad with a daughter, it just like knowing that my daughter gets to grow up in this generation where they get these like smart black women on the screen. You know, it wasn't, you know, we had to, we had to, you know, do a lot of mental gymnastics to see that we had to attach ourselves to other people, and now you just get it. Just right there in the movie. Um, so, uh, hell yeah. Chanaka Hodge is the creator of the show. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Look, I ain't even got to do research. The name, I got you. Chanaka, yeah. You know, ain't no white Chanakas. That's all I'm going to say on that. Uh, <laughs> but on that note, we'll be right back after hearing from another show from Maximum Fun.
Manolo, guess what? Manolo, guess what? 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 Doctor Game Show has made it to 100 episodes on Maximum Fun. Oh, that's true. I knew that. Well, to celebrate, we are releasing our entire Earwolf archives to Max Fun members. That's anyone who gives five dollars or more monthly to support podcasts like Doctor Game Show. That's 63 episodes within studio comedian guests like Jason Manzukas, Bowen Yang, and Matt Rogers, Joe Para, Todd Berry, and Janine Garofalo, Connor O'Malley, Chris Gethard, and more. Plus three bonus episodes that include two pilot episodes. Wow, two pilots must be good. Find the feed at MaximumFun.org slash BOCO, B-O-C-O. Stands for bonus content. Mm-hmm. Presenting the new MaxFunStore.com. We've got shirts for your torso, hats for your head, drinkware for your finest beverages, and so much more. Starring your favorite Max Fun shows with new and classic designs. Find the perfect gift for the podcast fan in your life. Heck, that could be you. We're not judging. Head to MaxFunStore.com now. That's MaxFunStore.com. Welcome back. To Maximum Film. I'm your host, Sifi Whiteyway. In the studio with me are Alonzo Duraldi, Aaron Bearcov Covington, Drea Clark. <laughs> and this is the episode after Thanksgiving, so it's our tradition to take a moment and honor our turkeys of the year. We are not issuing pardons, and we are naming anything in the world of movies that, for one reason or another, was a dud for us this year. And I'm not going to say who has one, because I have to steal this before anyone does, because i got to be the one to say, David Zaslav, what are you doing? <laughs> come on. Come, come on, bro. And then I don't even have to worry about him listening to this and blackballing me because there's too many uh, not white people. Not okay, white I was just going to say, as I stare at you blankly, perhaps for the community, you can explain what that turkey entails. Okay, so David Zaslav is who uh, kind of took over as CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery with the merger. Oh, thank and- you. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he's he's the he's all them cuts and 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 stoppages, movies that have been completed but still has been shelved back to back. You can thank uh, Mr. David Zaslav, who has also been on record, uh, you know, uh, through some reports of saying things like, you know, going to get more white people in there, and these day and and uh, basically an enemy to diversity, and uh, you know all the other talking points that uh, mediocre white men use to uh, try and put down talented black people who have to fight hard because maybe we didn't go to Harvard and then our homies put us on, but you know, you're talented, even though your homies put you in place. And it wasn't because somebody who uh, thought you were, you know, I can go on forever. David's ass laugh. That's my turkey. Eat it. I'm thrilled. I completely forgot his name because I try and not remember names like that, (laughs) but I definitely did have the shelving of the Leslie Grace led Batgirl and the Scoob prequel. Oh yeah, see how much I can cover just by saying his name? I get so many turkeys out the way. So (laughs) many turkeys from Iffy. Uh, I have a a late uh, entry in this, and that would be uh, Ms. Candace Cameron Bure uh, (laughs) for going on the record with the Wall Street Journal and saying that uh, the films at her new Christmas movie home of Great American Family were going to focus on quote-unquote traditional marriage. Now, this is a a move that has already been populated with dog whistles, but now she's just saying the quiet part out loud. Uh, the, The only 
only thing that this network has that Hallmark doesn't is uh, a, a resolute desire to erase queer people, to not feature interracial couples, and to generally uh, hearken back to the glory days of, I don't know, 2016, when Bill Abbott was running the network and he's now doing the same thing at Gaff and apparently has nothing new up his sleeve despite his whole... Uh, thing about, you know, like wanting to branch out in new directions, plus the fact that the network is owned mostly or at least partially uh, by the Hicks family of Texas, who are despicable Trump backers and uh, the, the people behind a super PAC that helped make uh, January 6th happen. So generally, um, they can all uh, go fall into the sea as far as I'm concerned. But uh, I, I definitely uh, find her, uh, Ms. Bur Ms. Bure's comments about queer people uh, particularly offensive in the light of the fact that uh, Hallmark is actually making steps in the right direction under their new CEO, Wanya Lucas. And we are seeing uh, not just diversity, but like movies that don't follow the same old, you know, big city lady meets small town hunk with pickup truck and flannel shirt movie. So, uh, yeah, no, thank you, Candace. Kudos so, to both of you for naming CEOs. Oh, Look yeah. I mean, <laughs> Welcome wait, oh, to CEO Hour at Maximum <laughs> Film. I want you to take one guess, uh, Alonzo, as to how this news that you're saying actually did fall upon my radar and timeline. Uh, my Twitter feed? <laughs> uh, no, that would be a good guess, but it is, in fact, because Naomi is in her JoJo Siwa era, ah. and JoJo Siwa mm -hmm. uh, is, has, has like, no problems. She's like, see, I was right. <laughs> yeah, super dunking, super dunking on this person, and, uh, you know, I used my new fancy check mark on Instagram to uh, voice my support with her on the Freeform page, and I didn't know Freeform had that many weird followers. <laughs> who were like very offended that me and Freeform stood with Jojo Siwa, which <laughs> may be Freeform, but like do a little research on me before you get mad at me for the things that I say. Well, I, look, there's a vocal minority online that likes to defend uh, uh, CCB and Great American Family, but the rating numbers do not lie and nobody is watching that network. Ah. Um, if I may do a very specific turkey... And it is a turkey that is the absence of something. And that is somehow in the year 2022, James Cromwell was the only octogenarian who handcuffed himself to a Starbucks protesting <laughs> vegan milk prices. And I think that is a failing for our octogenarian acting community. <laughs> How dare they? What are they doing with their time? There surely must be a Starbucks near them. And I know they all have handcuffs. Uh, Jane Fonda is getting arrested for a lot of things. Oh, Jane Fonda's got, got a couple. <laughs> Jane couple Fonda knows how to get arrested. You know the phrase that like I can't get arrested, and Jane Fonda doesn't know that phrase. That's how good she is at it. Okay, thank you. That picks me up a little bit. It's not just old Crommy out here on his own. I loved that story. My turkey is it's something it's something that's existed in movies, but it's such an extreme now, and I just call it celebrity soup. When you just get a movie, and it's kind of replaced the mid-level movies, but especially like an older white director or somebody that's done a couple and now they're pretty established, and they pick like a wacky and wild, either historical period or thing, and they just get as many celebrities. And the selling point is just like, look who we got. It's like <laughs> in Bullet Train and Amsterdam uh, and a, a bunch of other movies. The if you upcoming look at the movies Babylon, out, it's just perhaps? Like, Oh, Babylon was the other one I was thinking about. <laughs> yep. Because that's... You could Chazelle probably put... 
you could probably put death on the Nile in this. Oh, yeah. oh although man. it has its own uh, elements. Yeah, yeah. Uh, old uh, red what red notice. Red notice. Uh, the gray oh, man. Gray man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we both said mm. gray man. Like, and it's just like, what's the movie about? I don't know. But look who's in it. And it's like uh, Ticket to Paradise. I think might be uh, uh, fall in that category too. <laughs> Bless. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely definitely like the lessons learned from the Avengers movies was just get as yes. many A listers yes. as you can. Yes. Throw them up there. Also With have a hundred and fifty dollar budget. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um since Aaron brought up uh Babylon and Amsterdam. I'm in, this is pretty summarized here. I'm just going to chime in real quickly to say that one turkey that I thought of was, I mean, it's partly on me, but um, the Amsterdam trailer and David O. Russell, at, when I saw this Amsterdam trailer and it's got Christian Bale and it's got Margot Robbie and it's got um, Anya Taylor-Joy and De Niro's Washington. in it. <laughs> yeah. And in the period of it, and I'm just like, oh, it's I can feel it. I can feel it sucking me in. I can feel myself being excited about this. But I know, like David R. Russell, I've been burned before. Like, I know this is not this is not gonna be what I want it to be. <laughs> I felt it happening, but it was still, it was there was it was impossible to overpower the feeling of like, wow, this is gonna be great. I, I, yeah, when it, whenever people say, you know, they'll look at a cast and go, oh, with a cast like this, how bad can it be? I'm like, you don't want the answer to that question. Because <laughs> it right. can be real bad. Yep. I've seen a lot of these. Yep, yep. I, I guess that we did it. I didn't put in a transition, so <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> does anybody it's have any good. more? Get us out of here. <laughs> no, we're, we're getting out of here. I'm sure well, we could complain <laughs> about movies for the next three hours. Sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, those are our turkeys this year. Uh, make sure to enjoy them with your sandwiches with cranberries. Wait, can I say stuff. an actual one, oh, not yeah, just an asshole one, jokey <laughs> yeah, one? Yeah, of course. Um, two quick ones. One, the Scream Six uh, franchise lowballing Nev Campbell and her not oh, returning yes. because they o- offered her such low fee, which is bullshit. She's been the backbone of that since literally the minute it came out. And two, that that jerky Australian newspaper that was going to out Rebel Wilson. Uh, and so then yes. she had to out herself. Actual turkeys of mine. Uh, and I love James Cromwell. Okay, now I'm done. <laughs> now I'm done. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what time it is, Alonzo. Look, Thanksgiving's over, so now's the time where you're at full strength. When any last holiday holdouts can stuff it until the new year, Christmas Zeddy has assumed his full power and is ready to rip. So Alonzo's going to take one minute to recap all the Christmas movies he saw this week. So Alonzo, are you ready? Let's do it. Okay. Christmas at the Golden Dragon. Uh, Asian cast, so definitely a new thing for Hallmark, and uh, an attempt to have multiple storylines, which maybe is a nice try, Hallmark, but you're not quite there yet. But I appreciate the effort nonetheless. Our Italian Christmas memories uh, tries to dig into, like, uh, uh, Grandpa with Alzheimer's, but also the hunt for a recipe and Bo Bridges being Italian. I don't know. A lot happening there. But it mostly works. Uh, the Royal Nanny definitely attempt to do something different homework because it's about it's a spy movie with an undercover MI5 agent pretending to be a children's caretaker. Uh, not as fun as you'd want, but Greta Skaki shows up and that's always cool. Christmas Story Christmas, sequel to the beloved 1983 movie Peter Billingsley's back. The movie's best when it isn't dwelling on the old movie. Um, uh, Six Degrees of Santa. Oh, come on, Steve Lund, you've done better. Uh, Inventing the Christmas Prince, kind of a hot mess. Three Wise Men and a Baby, a lot funnier than you would imagine, and uh, putting together three of Hallmark's favorite uh, hunks uh, with a plot that it doesn't just boil on them falling in love. So that was nice. Uh, I wrote down Christmas with you and I don't remember what it is. (laughs) 
Wow, wow. As, you, as always. You sold impressive. me on three me- three wise men and a baby. Three wise men yes. and a baby, yeah. Sign me up. All right, they're getting wild. Well, look, you know what's wild is the fact if you don't have a copy of I'll Be Home for Christmas Movies written by Alonzo Duralde, I mean, what are you waiting for? Those stockings are just sitting there waiting to be stuffed. So why don't you go ahead and do that? Some people... Come on, guys. Like, no notes. Surely <laughs> parents listen to this. Right? That is that is your mind, Drea, in the gutter. I just was talking about what you do to stockings. Oh. Uh, <laughs> all right, look, some people say that that is the reason for the season. So uh, any last words, Alonzo, before we move on? Uh, well, you know, also, if you are a fan of the Hallmark movies or if you like to dunk on the Hallmark movies, I definitely would recommend my other book, I'll Be Home for Christmas Movies, which I wrote with the, with the host of the Deck the Hallmark podcast. It's got reviews of more than 100 movies written by people who uh, either love them, like them, or despise them. So someone in there's got your back. That's the mm. book he said, P.S. Yes. Oh, I thought, he, I thought he said the other one. Okay. Oh, well, then. Just, just did so your segue is. Sorry. I was coming down from my minute. So, you know, no, I, was I, get only, it. I was I get just it. half here. Then also go back and dig up uh, Have Yourself a Movie Little Christmas, my first Christmas movie book, which is uh, a, a, a more comprehensive guide to your holiday cinema choices. Yay. All right. Yeah. Now it's time for staff picks. It could be any movie at all. So who wants to start? Oh, me, because this one I did not get to in the minute, but it deserves a little spotlight of its own. There's a documentary on HBO Max called Santa Camp, and it is about a camp that happens in New England every summer where uh, Santas are trained uh, for their various public appearances. And this movie focuses on the Santa community making efforts to become more diverse and not just being a bunch of old white guys. So we meet among the people uh, participating in the camp, uh, a Santa with spina bifida, a black Santa and a trans Santa. And... And uh, the, you know, the enthusiasm they bring to the table, what they face uh, in doing their work. And there is a great story involving the Black Santa and how after uh, facing up, dealing with some racist bullshit in his hometown of Little Rock, Arkansas, his neighbors uh, demonstrate their support. It's really great. It's a terrific movie. I really enjoyed it. You should check it out. What's it called again? Santa Camp. Santa Camp. That sounds very cute. Cute in a good way, not in a condescending way. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. Um, I have one. It is also a documentary. It's made by my friend Alyssa Namias, who's incredibly talented. And we were co-producers on another film together. Um, And her most recent film that she directed is called Art and Crimes by Crimes. That's Crimes with a K um, because it's the last name of the the primary subject in it, Jesse Crimes, who served six years in a federal prison and while there um, created these like enormous monumental works of art on like bed sheets and like these trips like 40 feet tall that then had to be smuggled out of the prison um and so it looks at his process of art getting getting him through being incarcerated and then also the idea of once you're out and you're in society and you're talking about things just how people look at um felons like at how people who have been through the system and how it changes everything and she has a beautiful eye he's a really fascinating subject his work is beautiful and is now like the irony of like oh it's being sold for tens and tens of thousands of dollars um anyway art and crimes by crimes it's on paramount plus oh it, it will be as of november 29th 
How's nice. That? Nice, nice. Uh, first, I'll say watch Grand Crew on Peacock and yes. uh, <laughs> season two when it comes out. How as much of a pain mo- is Iffy in the writer's room? We need to know. Yes. <laughs> Do you guys have an all, entire all group all chat like, without taking him? your food and like yeah. looking over your shoulder and just like, you know, come on. See, like, no, we'll is, off, he the, is off he the record? The, off the record. Okay. Is right. he the? Are you gonna finish that guy? <laughs> you gonna, you gonna no, finish that? No, 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 no. He's he's well fed. Uh, yeah, yeah. As far as a movie, oh, I just lost what I was gonna say too. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. I got it you. back. Yes. Go rewatch Gattaca. That is an ep- upcoming episode on the Black Guys on White Movies podcast. What we discovered is going to blow your mind. So go oh. watch Gattaca and then All tune right. into the pod in a couple weeks. All right. Challenge and accepted. In the holidays, go to a museum. If you if you don't usually go, if you do, there's a bunch nice. in LA. Really? Go check out a museum. See some art. See some photos or whatever they got. Yeah, the Botanical Garden, too, is nice. Uh, they do, like, Christmas lights on all the trees. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, it was great. I... <laughs> <laughs> I I I just went there last year for a date, and when I told uh, my girlfriend that I'm gonna take her there, um, I forgot to omit that part of the story, and she wasn't you know wasn't excited that I'm gonna you know recycle a date on her, but you know it's it's good it's it'll be worth it. I told her it'll be worth it. I swear to God, I hope it's worth it. It's um, more romantic every year. <laughs> <laughs> like oh, it's gotta be worth oh, it. Oh, I, I learned I, I learned uh, how to do it really well last. You're gonna get the better version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard they're, I heard they're I, rolling I out new shopping that You ain't day. seen nothing yeah. yet. Yeah, you ain't seen. The, wait till you see the way I hold your hand. It's gonna be <laughs> way. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try and be uh, you know throwing in some Christmas movies for the season for my staff picks. So we're gonna kick things off with uh, with uh, someone else I worked with. Uh, I'll be at via Zoom and very far away and only talk to him on one Zoom uh, with the night before and Anthony Mackie, who will be starring mm-hmm. in uh, the Twisted Metal. Uh, look, we're gonna have a lot of stuff for you to watch in Peacock next year. Trust me. Uh, make sure it's Grand <laughs> Crew. Uh, um, but yeah, the night before is my pick. Uh, solid uh, Christmas movie. You know, we'll start with some of the more quote unquote trendy Christmas movies, and then we'll go deep. We'll, we'll go. We'll get some of the the thick firm strong ones major thanks to aaron covington uh what do you have going on that the people should know about uh the podcast i mentioned just check that and um are you yeah. online are you on uh, oh, the social yeah. medias um i'm on i'm bear cove at any anywhere bear like a big old bear because i'm a giant person cove c-o-v because uh, your name that, that's my name I love it right works on there. so many levels yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm here for this <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. I'm going to just, uh, you know, uh, big up him because he's not saying enough. Uh, look, Aaron is is uh, extremely talented, extremely funny. Make sure you're tapped in on all his social media. Go to his website. You can see The Last Magical Negro. You know, got a little action there. He's a, a yeah, phenomenal. Yeah, this is a short film. Phenomenal. And, you know, something tells me he might uh, have some, uh, some, some new stuff cooking up on the way. So just keep your eyes on everything Bear Cove. Uh, because you know, I, I think he's great, and I think you will too. Go Thanks. Kings! Yay. Thanks for being here. Go Kings! Yes, uh, and Dre oh, yeah, and Alonzo. Sacramento Kings, obviously. Yes, right. <laughs> yeah. Dre and Alonzo, thank you for another wonderful show. Uh, you know, happy belated Thanksgiving. Same to you. You too, Baba. Yes, and you listener, as you sit there stuffed, filled, and listening to your favorite podcast. 
If you have a comment or suggestion about this week's show, tweet at us at Maximum underscore film. Our Facebook group can be found at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Maximum Film or send us an email at Maximum Film at Maximum Our super producer is the wonderful Marissa Flaxbart. Our senior producer is also wonderful and her name is Laura Swisher. And this is a production of Maximum Fun. Bye-bye. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.